Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Good evening, children of the night. Welcome back to the Nook. Come on in and join me and Mahler, the ink black cat of the Nook. A bit of housekeeping. We are looking for an editor, and we are doing a bit of a pledge drive, if you will, for the podcast. Email tales to terrify at gmail.com for additional details beyond the audio at the very end of this episode for the editor's position, and also see tales to terrify for the links to donating to the show. This week will be the second part of readings from the memorial for our late host, Lawrence Antaro, by his friends gathered at the coffee shop. For the charitable listener, also in the show notes, will be a link to the American Cancer Society's donation page. Research into Duodeno cancer research may help the loss of others too soon. As last week, Martin Month emceed the event and will be introducing the readers. You will be hearing from John Everson, Rich Engling, and Gary Houston. Our first reader for the second half is Gary Houston. He will be reading, if I can read my handwriting, Wind Shadow, a selection from Wind Shadows from... Oh, I can't read it. It's from Drink from the Thirst to Come, I think. Yes. And if I can find the bio, there it is. He met Larry in the early 90s when he when Larry directed an episode of a closed circuit TV mystery series called Hide and Seek. I think I heard Larry talking about this one time. This was out in California or on the West Coast? Oh, it was here. Gary was one of the actors. He is a former Sun-Times feature editor and reporter. And that's what I have for his bio. It'll do. The important thing is the reading. Let's welcome Gary Houston. I think uh, World War I and zombies are the operative words about this story. Uh, it also involves, uh, what? That's right. This is the root soup person, by the way, who knows all about combinations of flavors. And uh, it also involves a British unit of sappers. Sappers were uh, demolition people. They were engineers. They were diggers. They were excavators. And that has to do with the story. Where exactly in uh, Europe? Uh, France or Germany or Belgium? I'm not sure I remember. Does anybody here remember? Hmm? No, you don't? Okay. 
so that we're all in the dark on that one. But uh, that's, that's what I have to say about, uh, about the wind shadows. This is a selection. This is not the entire story. Hans Sappers broke through in Bill and Welly's night. Above it may have been bright, bright Sunday, sun and silence, or drizzly Friday. Nothing doing but the wait and wait. Welly had just whispered, a Welly sort of whisper. After neither remembered what, but when he whispered, the world went black. From the ceiling of the small side gallery, little more than an underground storage shed, where Welly and Bill were naming a kip, a rain of noise and guttural sounds fell on them. A cascade of dirt first, then bodies. Then the light went out. Something shoved Bill aside. With falling bodies came the smell of strangers, of air from a different part of earth, bodies drenched in different sweats, breaths from different lungs. It poured from above. Oh! Willie shouted in the din. Crikey! Bill yelled. A gramble of German words spewed into his left ear. Something hard pressed his ribs. Flashes here, there, around. He grabbed the hard thing and twisted it from himself. Another flash and gunpowder thunder lit the space. A grunt from nearby. Other flashes, other thunders. He and the other rolled in dirt, clattered among tools, coils of wire, lengths of pipe. Empty sandbags attacked his face, caught his arms, legs. More shots, more grunts. A pickaxe came into his hands, and a blood cry rose from inside him as he pushed the darkness back to gain swinging space. He swung! He swung again! And again! With each swing, he screamed! A buzzing riot shot through his nerves. He stepped forward, swung, took another step, and swung again. Ah! The pick connected. The wall, he thought. The pick, the pick bit softness and the soft something hadn't screamed. But again he connected. The pick dug in and wiggled. And beyond this gallery, well, he shouted, shouted too. A voice brought from his depths. More shots, soft thuds of bullet strikes, grunts. No screams. In a minute, maybe more. Others arrived. Some from the breakthrough above rained down. More dirt, more stench. Others, their own reserves. From the tunnel, other galleries, wherever. English, German, Welsh, maybe. African, jabber, jabber. Bill didn't know. It all exploded in darkness. Words, shots, now screams and a continuing rain of dirt. A dirt fall. An avalanche of bodies and steel filled the space. More muzzle flashes, reports. Bill dove face down, flattened himself in the dirt. He tried swimming deeper. He crawled. He screamed as he did. When he reached the wall, he wriggled farther, still screaming. No idea, not a notion where safety was, if safety was at all where hell poured from above and death stank everywhere. In a minute, he'd crawled beyond, beyond cordite flash and grunts, the clash and sparks as shovels met picks, or found softer ground in dirt or flesh. He crawled and crawled. He screamed. In another minute, he realized he was calling Welly's name. <laughs> and he shut up. It seemed he'd escaped the battle. His heart thudded against his eardrums. His breath came in, came out. His hands shook. He felt it all. If he bled, he bled small. Life tingled. Filthy, smelly, fucking sweet. He rose, his hands clawed, dragged himself upright. His hand found steel. The pipe! The pipe that breathed from the surface down to them. The pipe. He was in the main tunnel. And still the dark held him. The blind dark. 
He wedged himself against the wooden brace. His body screamed for clear air, for light, for silence, for some open place where nothing pressed himself and where he didn't dig into darkness. And he took a moment. And in that moment, something shambled by. He pressed the tunnel wall. Another something passed. It spread a chill of of what? Of old meat, of piggy, two days dead. (laughs) A whiff of Suffolk childhood. Another darkness shambled by. And another. And more. More. They were advancing from the minehead, from the face beyond the veil, the diggers. They were coming, shuffling to the rescue. He held himself close. He sank his face between his knees. He whispered quietly to himself, kept the prayer inside so they wouldn't hear. He pressed his eyes so the colors blazed within him. Give them something to digest, he thought. The colors in his head, victuals for the fight. From beyond, where the small war clashed and grunted, he heard a wet tearing, a soft cracking, screams now. Not the enemy, his mates, giving voice to pain, to terror, to life leaving. The clash of metal on metal or into flesh, the crack of pistols faded one by one to nothing. The soft, wet shredding of flesh and the soft crackle of bone went on. And whispers from the darkness, they increased. And soon the screams ended, but the whispers lingered. And then, in the near silence of sighs, the darkness shambled by again. No rush. No need, just darkness rippling past him again and again in the dark, back toward the mind face, back to the veil, dragging, carrying the moans, the whimpers. Something touched him, and he screamed. Bill, I'll Bill! The thing shouted and embraced him. <gasps> Welly. Welly, wet and shaking, Welly screaming him his name. And Bill, of course, shouted his, Billy shouted, Oh, Bill, there us, them is. Them diggers at the face, them behind the top, there us. Bill held Welly, a sticky wet covered him. But Bill held him, let him sob. Oh, Ned. Well, he sobbed. He's here. Old Ned, what slipped off the path and drowned it with his kit. He's one. I saw his face in a gun flash. Saw it, Billy. He's down there. Here, one of them. And Riley, Munger, others, so many others, all down with us. The moon set, and morning was close, but with a star night filled, Oh, old Bill's eyes. And he thought better, heard better. Old Bill heard the grasses stir. The windless night was full of wind shadows and rolling earth. He stood and began walking across the field toward the ridge. Later, Welly said, You believe in God? He whispered to Bill's back as they carried their dirt to the lift. Bill shrugged. I don't know. I never figured this was it, wasn't it? I reckon. They reached the lift and dropped their loads onto the stage with the others. Welly rubbed his forehead. The rest shuffled past, dropped their bags, and trudged back toward the mine face. And above them, the tiny circle of day cast white silence in flickering shadows as the load of bags rose. Well, nothing stirring no war today. Bill said. Always something happening, I reckon. Well, he kept staring at the bright circle above. His body shook. Tears rolled, showed in the dirt of his eyes. He rubbed his head again. Billy, I always figured, God, 
None of that guffer old welly. But I, I, I don't know. It scares me, Bill, but there may be a god in all. Yeah, could be. No, 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 think of it. Them things digging down there, I reckon them is us. You know? Them blokes has gone before, the dead. Figure them... He leaned close to Bill's ear. Them Africans, ours, theirs, who knows, is jigaboo and the life, the dead to life. Some nignog jinxin, maybe. War's making lots of dead for all the work down here, somewheres else, maybe everywhere, I don't know. I, I see old Ned, I saw him. That was him, sure as it's me. Old Ned coming after them things as was falling down from the German mine. And Munger, him as was always peeking out of the loop to no man's land? Willie. Bill started. He started to say it, it was all a load of old cobblers that he'd gone shell-shocked. Rounders. He, he didn't. Willie is all he said. Yeah, and, and he didn't even know me, Bill. Uh, old Ned didn't even know his old mate, nor, nor Riley. No. Well, Bill let it go. He looked up at the dim circle of light. A cloud across the sun, maybe. So I figured, Bill, they all gone and snuffed it. And there it is. There's something else now. Something from after death. There's that much about what we don't know, you know? It's, it's, if, if that shite's out there, then, then, then what the hell? Bad shite means there's good stuff too? If there's the devil, you know, uh, uh, there must be God. He was crying. God, Bill, if there's a God, then there's... You know, I've been a baron, you know. We've both been. Crikey. God means hell. The next reader, what? No. The next reader is uh, John Everson. John, are you there? Oh, there you are. He's going to be reading, oh, it's a long title. It's one of Larry's long titles. He is going to be reading, What Do You Know of the Land of Death, Clown Said One Night to the Haunted Boy. And he will tell you why. Long time ago, about 15 years ago, I discovered a little group of writers called Twilight Tales. I met Larry, met Tina, met Marty, a whole bunch of others. I've been writing, as most writers do, in a lonely room and not really ever knowing other writers. And it was really a great thing to meet this group of people who all were doing the same thing I was. And I remember going up to the Red Lion and watching Larry truck the speakers each week out of the closet and set up the amplifiers and whatnot, and then get up in front of the mic and boom at us. And it was a wonderful thing. And the first book for Twilight Tales that I worked on uh, as a production person was Freaks, Geeks, and Sideshow Floozies, which included this story. And working on it, listening to him read it. It has stuck with me ever since. Um, it's one of my favorites. And I sat down last night to try and trim it because, as those of you know, when Larry did a 15-minute reading, it was generally 25 minutes. I didn't want to do that. But trimming Larry is difficult. I uh, heard him in many, many phrases last night, and none of them wanted to leave. But a few did. <laughs> A few did, and this is uh, hopefully a slightly uh, quicker version of what do you know of the land of death. When the young couple came to look at the old house, 601 Slaughterhouse Street, Bluffton, 
Clem told the woman he'd once stuck his finger in the electric socket on the top of the stairway post. He showed her. He'd almost been killed, he said. The woman hugged her baby tighter. The man smiled at Clem and thanked him for the warning, said they'd make sure to keep a bulb in that hole so their little one wouldn't have the same accident. Clem told in his scary voice, wasn't an accident. He shook his head slowly. Uh-uh. Clown took the bulb in the socket so he'd have a nose all shining bright. Clown told him to put his finger in there. Go ahead, stick it in. You'll be real funny. Ha, ha, ha. Clem stuck his finger in. He tingled up his arm, then all over, and Mommy's pop had to pull him away. Ha, ha. There'd been a people, there'd been a people, a little party, a sleeping party, but nobody slept. He thought sparks would fly out of his hair, his eyes would bug out and steam would scream out his ears. People would laugh. The party people were sad and serious. Funny Clem would make them laugh. They didn't. He just tingled and time stopped, then Mom's pop tackled him and rolled him to the landing and shook him. It was at Mike's wake. Mom Pop said to the young people. Mommy sniffed. The man and woman said they'd make sure the socket was plugged up. They smiled. Clement loves this old place, Mom Pop said. He just doesn't want to go, Mommy said. Everyone smiled. Cliffy wouldn't come out when Clem and his mommy and Mom Pop drove away. He said if he didn't see them go, they wouldn't be gone. Cliffy was pretty little. The new place was big and rambling. The rooms were white and smelled of paint and wood. The wide rooms had low ceilings except for the living room. That went up and up. There were no long hallways, no cellar. Upstairs were funny corners that slanted and leaned. At night, over the tops of the houses in the neighborhood beyond their lights, Clem could see the dark bluffs across the valley. At night... Out that back window, the world ended in black. They didn't live in Bluffton anymore, Mommy said. They lived someplace else, a place he couldn't say, or rather, when he said it, everyone laughed. That wasn't like being funny ha-ha, so he stopped trying to say it. The rugs were rolled out and their old furniture dragged in. The rugs didn't fill the rooms and the stuff looked smaller, older. Stuff in boxes came out and went into new rooms and new places. Same old stuff, but different. The stuff that didn't go into the room stayed in boxes and went into the room at the top. Boxes piled in the corners, around the windows. Clem knew the boxes had good things, things he wanted, things he liked knowing were his. Now he didn't know where they were except in the boxes. Wait, Mommy said. Clem lay in the dark. His bed wasn't quite against the wall. He liked it against the wall. Clown lived down there, by the wall, under the bed, between the floorboards, ready to come up and tickle, tickle him. Clem kept his back to the wall and slept on the other side nearest the door. Clem lay in the dark. The nightlight Mommy had always kept plugged into the wall socket was still packed in a box in the room full of night. Without the light, there was no way of telling whether the dark was filled with shadow or was just black with empty. He liked the dark that was empty. Shadow meant things were there. The dark moved behind him. Clem shut his eyes. Behind his shut eyes, the darkness filled with drifting lights. If he pressed his eyeballs, the colors spread and gathered till the colors faded into flickering black. He was alone in the black behind his eyelids. There was a sound behind him. The room creaked a little, just a little, but a creak was there. Clem didn't look. Clown would take you if you looked. He heard clown music. Boop, 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 like the circus. When he heard the calliope, he covered his eyes and made sure the wall was at his back. After the music, the voice Clem, 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 his name like a song, outside him until it touched his ear with a wet lip, then it slipped inside, then a long, warm breath filled his chest, and his hairs tingled down his back. Clem.
it said from his mouth. Clown whispered deep in the night-filled room, a growl like Olaf the dog at Cliff's house, then white, wet teeth, black gums, the smell of clown mouth. Daddy's here, the voice said. Daddy's here, funny daddy. Hello, daddy, Clem whispered. What do you know of death? Clown asked. It's where you live, Clem whispered. I do, I do. It's fun here. Clown tickled Clem's ear hair. Big fun. Fly in the air fun. Clem knew flying fun. He'd seen it once a long time ago when he was really small and wore a sailor suit, and Daddy had carried him when he asked, before Mom Pop lived at home. Then it was day, day outside and in the room. Such a pretty day, a summer day when bigger kids were off from school, and next year he'd appreciate that, Mommy said. Next year, you'll be going to school all year until summer. There'll be other boys and girls your age, and you'll see Cliffy again, and you'll learn things. He didn't want to imagine. They went to see the cliff that afternoon after they'd moved more furniture. The other cliff. Cliff was his friend, but it was also a place where the earth stopped in the town. Their old town, Bluffton, lay below them, small. Mommy pointed and said, See? Down there. Our old place. It's not far. There. He followed her finger down. Yes. This is the cliff. You're not to go near here. You could fall and get hurt all the way down. He looked. She held him. Tonight, Clown sang and let Clem see long ago. The song went... When darkness falls and rains pour down, we'll make the sunbeam all across town. Clown and Clem's eyes saw the circus again. Daddy sat next to him. Daddy laughed and put Clem on his lap. Daddy's face was prickly and he smelled of tobacco. There were lions and elephants. The day smelled of them, of people and poop and sweet things. There was noise. Clem was so little being on Daddy's lap. Out in the rings of the circus was a big gun. A big colored boom gun with stars and swirls on it. Horses dragged it in, the really big gun. Clem held his ears and laughed. Daddy laughed. A million clowns helped drag and push the gun. Not the clown, not yet. The clowns climbed over the big gun like ants. Some fell off or slid down its long barrel. Some got rolled over by it and went crunch, slurp into the sawdust with funny noises from the band. And when other clowns pulled them up from the ground, they were all flat like Mommy had ironed them. Ha <laughs> ha! Some clowns slid down inside the gun barrel and rolled out the other end. See, Daddy? said. It's not real. Ha <laughs> ha Looked real. Then Clown came, just strolling on his big feet and singing, I'll make you be a flying clown. And picked Clem from Daddy's lap and tickled him. Daddy told Clown, name is Clem. Clown laughed, Clem, Clom, Clown. He yelled and held Clem above his head and ran, big feet flapping all around the ring. And everyone saw him and laughed. Clem cried and cried and Clown wouldn't give Clem back until Daddy reached for him, smiling. Ho, ho. Clown said, and looked right into Clem's eyes, right inside, down where the quivers of his hair lived. Clown filled him up with clown smell and smeary face and breath. When all that was left of Clown was his faith and teeth and stink, Clown pulled off his nose, his own nose, right off, and stuck it on Clem's face. The nose smelled. Noses should smell, <laughs> Clem saw it in the night of his room in his home. Clem saw what Clown saw then. A boy with a nose. A screaming boy. It felt so good to scream. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too. 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. With this nose, I dubbed the Clown Clem. Clem cried and cried, and Clown looked down inside him again and said, Look here, watch, I'll go fly away. Daddy adjusted the boop-boop nose on Clem's face and said, Look, watch, look, it's not real, watch, watch. Clown, a red nose on his face again because Clown could have noses, all the noses he wanted Clown ran, swooping with his arms and flopping his feet toward the big gun. The other clowns held a ladder straight in the air for Clown to climb, and when he reached the top, the others ran all over the ring, carrying Clown with it. Clown waved his arms, teetered back and forth, and almost fell a dozen times. Finally, Clown got to the very top of the ladder and grabbed the muzzle of the gun. See the gun's muzzle, Daddy said. It's not real, Clown. And Clown slipped. Whoops! Head first, down inside the big colored gun, with stars and swirly things painted on its not-real barrel. And didn't come out the other end. He yelled from inside the big colored gun. He's stuck! Daddy yelled over the crowd, laughing. Other clowns looked, couldn't find him, not anywhere. Everyone pointed, yelled that Clown was down inside and couldn't get out. Clem pointed. Inside, he yelled. Then they got it. They tipped the barrel down, looked inside. They tipped it back and opened the other end. Daddy said, he's stuck, stuck in the breach. Funny noises from the band, the calliope. People laughed. Clem laughed. The clown stuffed big red sticks inside the gun. Dynamite, Daddy yelled. They poured powder from a tub. Stuck firecrackers, skyrockets, smoking bombs everywhere. Not real, Daddy yelled. Make believe, Clem watched. The clowns turned round, hid their eyes, stuck fingers in their ears. One pulled a rope. The gun was louder than anything Clem had ever, ever heard. Louder than thunder, louder than anything. Smoke blew, boom, out of the gun. Out flew Clown, so slow. Through the air, somersaulting, his feet and arms, his head, his head, twirling. The crowd gasping, oh, they yelled. Clown spun and spun and came apart in the air. Scream, the crowd said. Clown was red, wet, splashing bright with streaming gray parts. The clown suit unbuttoned and clown parts spilled clown across the air. Shriek, the crowd said and started to run. The seats jerked under Daddy and Clem. Ha ha, Clown said, inside Clem. Down his backbone, Clem felt Clown laugh and laugh. Clown, Clem said. Daddy hugged Clem's head, didn't let the squirming boy watch what became a flying clown. Later, Clem figured Clown had gone to the land of death. All Daddy and Mommy said was, terrible, horrible. Clown told him one night later in the dark, Want to see? 
clown's head, spun free and flew so fair, parts of clown everywhere. I'm in the land of death, clown said. You'll find out someday. He sang the last part. Days later, clown showed Clem how to be really funny. Ha ha ha, Clem said all night when he thought about it. Ha ha. He kept hiding it all day long. Mommy looked at him every now and then and smiled her what's-so-funny smile. He made his, oh, I don't know, face and laughed and ran away. Dinner was tuna casserole. Hot dish for a hot night, huh? Mom Pop said. Mommy said grace, saying God should take care of Tuffy the bird who'd gone to sleep last year, and he should take really good care of Daddy, very good care of Daddy, who lived with him now. Same as always, ever since. Clem couldn't keep it to himself. He was so happy he was going to be funny. Clem only had to remind him a little. He'd seen it at the circus on Daddy's lap, funny stuff with the clowns, and he'd seen it in cartoons on television. Sweep! Boom! They sat at the kitchen table talking, Mom Pop talking about the bank, Clem biting his cheeks so he wouldn't laugh, Mommy talking about her day. Mom Pop got up to get another cup of coffee. Clem stood up, stood back, let the old man pass, go to his chair still talking. Clem held the chair for Mom Pop. Oh, this was going to be funny. And Mom Pop started to sit and sweep. Clem slipped the chair away. Perfect. Boom! Mom Pop hit the floor, coffee cup rolling through the air like Clown's head. Splash! Hot stuff spattered Clem all over him and the old man. Slam! Mom Pop's head hit the store stove. Mommy screamed. Wham! Crack went the world. Clem wanted to laugh. It had been perfect, just like Clown said, but the hot coffee hurt, and Mom Pop didn't move and jump up and chase him around with a big, soft frying pan. And Mommy screamed and screamed. Days later, after Mom Pop was in his box, the big policeman said it was an accident. Vinny, the policeman's hair, was wet and very short. He just thought it was a joke, like on TV, Vinny said to Mommy, and didn't laugh. He closed the notebook and looked at the cup of coffee Mommy had given him. He shook his head and said he was very sorry. Sometimes he didn't say any more. He stuck the notebook in his pocket and looked at Clem. It's okay. She hadn't cried so much since Daddy went to the land of death. Clown laughed later at the wake party, like when Daddy went to the box. Clem didn't stick his finger in a socket this time. Clem stood by the rail above the big room. Clown whispered from behind, You could jump, he said. Look out there! The chandelier was hanging so still. You can jump and grab and swing way above everything, Clem thought. Swing like a monkey from a vine! Ha ha ha! Clem didn't. Clown laughed anyway. Halloween was fun. Clem wanted to be a clown. Like Daddy, he said. Mommy cried again, and he didn't know what she meant. He went to Halloween as a Scotsman with a beard made from an old wig and a dress. Mommy made it for him. Cliff laughed because he was wearing a dress. That day, Clem liked school. He liked it a lot. Miss Iverson had them bob for apples. They'd guessed who each other were. As dusk gathered, Miss Iverson called night dusk. The day grew green with thunderclouds. The darkness rolled over the bluff and filled the sky above the school. Miss Iverson walked between the desks, her eyes wide. Soon it will be the witching hour. Time for all good ghosts and goblins, she looked at Clem, and Scotsmen to be home. She stood by Clem's desk. Clem could smell her, a pretty smell, like wet flowers in a rainy day. Fat Stevie Hart stood by the door, his hand on the light switch. Go home, go home, you children, along the darkling paths, through woods of ebon night. Go home amidst the cares and cries of the little world. She was making her voice sound scary. The room went dark. Suddenly, Miss Iverson's face was Clown's face. 
A bright light filled it, and Clown looked right down on Clem. Clem hadn't seen Clown, and that face since the big gun boomed and Daddy had held him screaming, terrible, horrible. What do you know, Clown said from her face. What do you know of the land of death? He couldn't stop saying it. Later, Miss Iverson told Mommy she hadn't said a word. Nothing like it, she said. She was reading from a poem book. She was just putting on a Halloween mask to read. See? She showed the mask. Sleeping Beauty, Miss Iverson said, shaking as she said it. Clem held Mommy's hand. Clown said it, he said. Clown! Miss Iverson said, no, Clem had spoken. Miss Iverson had heard Clown come from Clem. So had Cliffy and the rest. They all heard Clown come out of Clem. Clam, Clown, the land of death thing. Cliffy and his mother had waited for them, but now they drove away, off to 603's slaughterhouse, off to trick-or-treat. Mom and Clem ran to their car. The window wipers slurped across the windshield in the dark. Mommy's face ran with rain shadows. Driving along the cliff roads, the car swished back and forth. They climbed through the dark and rain, their wipers sweeping. Clown behind Clem leaned over the back seat. Clem knew his face now, sweating white and bone, all the colors of Clown gone smeary with rain and tears. Mommy wouldn't say anything. There would be a talking to at home. Clown said, watch this. <laughs> the car made backfire noises. The engine went bang, bang, boom, like lightning and thunder. The car stopped dead. It chattered and flopped. Then it got quiet. Mommy cried. Just clown, Clem said, almost loud enough to be heard. A light played along the cliff across the way, a beam of sun playing on the face of the rocks. Mommy got out of the car. Clem got out. Clem got out. He took a running leap and flew through the air, flying clown like before. Clem ran to where clown flew toward the light. Now he could watch. The rain still poured, but there was light across the valley, across Bluffton. Clem ran toward the sunbeam. Clem! Mommy screamed. Wait! She screamed. Don't! She screamed louder. She ran slipping and sliding in the mud, pouring off the side of the cliff and across the road. Clem slipped and slid, his beard wet, his costume heavy, as he ran toward the cliff in the sun and Bluffton below. Clown tumbled ahead in the air, rolling toward the land of death. Clem flopped, splash on his face, and Mommy, right behind, flew over him. She flew on the wind and tumbled, spinning away, grabbing at dead branches which broke, at leaves which crumbled. She slid, and then, ah! she fell, leaving red, wet red, down the side of the rainy bluff, down the cliff. She bounced. Across the way, God's light went out, and night came back, all green and wet. Except for the rain, it was real quiet as Mommy and the rocks chattered into the dark below. Ha ha, said Clown. Now you want to come play in the land of death? Accident, Clem said. Clem was alone, but there were friends. Kids at school, Miss Iverson and Vinnie the policeman. There was lots of time. He'd see the land of death someday, someday when it had more people, Cliffy and others. People would go to live there, and one day, when it was full with friends and people he loved, people he'd meet, then Clem would go too and live there forever and ever. That's all he knew of the land of death. It was filling up. No, Clem said, not now. And the rain kept sweeping down. Next up is Richard Angling. Richard. He will be reading a story called An End 
from just north of nowhere. The short bio he gave me reads, he is a novelist, playwright, actor, and artistic director of Polarity Ensemble Theater. His novel, Visions of Anna, is being released in, on October 7th as part of the Afterlife Trilogy, which also includes his play, Anna in the Afterlife, which opens in April at the Greenhouse Theater Center. And... I'm sorry, I can't read that name. <laughs> Fern Chertkow? Oh, Fern Chertkow, yes. And Fern Chertkow's novel, She Plays in Darkness. There will be a book launch event for the two novels at the Greenhouse Theater Center October 7th at 7 p.m. Is that suitable? Yes, that is suitable. <laughs> Richard Engling. So Larry and I met at Twilight Tales, probably 1989 or 1990, something like that. And uh, Larry was part of a huge transition in my life. And two projects we did together um, kind of exemplify that. I, I played percussion in his uh, radio play, the, um, uh, the Tree is My Hat. And, um, and that, that ended a period of my life where I was mainly being a novelist and, and playing drums and playing jazz. Um, and then he cast me in uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona, along with my dog. The two of us were in the play. And that became my reentry into theater, which I hadn't been doing in a long time. And... From that point on, I've been so heavily involved in theater that I barely do anything else, and now I've been running a theater company for 10 years. So, uh, you know, I had thought of getting back into theater, but it was the ease of going into a project with Larry that um, made it happen at that moment. And, um, you know, he was, a, he was a wonderful guy for, for encouraging people um, and, and so part of what we do is uh, develop new plays with Chicago writers, and I think that is another part of Larry's legacy. So, an end. Old Rattler Ken, considering a hundred years blind going and coming, then waking one day, sighted. Seeing stuff and folks unseen for a passel of years. With all that in life, cripes, how does a man know much of anything for certain? Maybe it all just naturally gets more wonderful? <laughs> Maybe old friends just naturally do start dropping by to say hello after a lifetime of not. People he thought dead for half a century suddenly now showing up Passing the time of day? Maybe? Cripes! In a world this wonderful, how does someone even know if he's dead? When it takes a guy a while to get somewhere, even down to the damn can, a guy's got time to consider stuff like that. Maybe that's good, maybe not. Ken didn't have a damn choice. He shuffled down uh, Slaughterhouse Way from his flop, Pretty soon, in the midst of his consideration, he looked up to see the day. Coming back from blindness, he did much to consider how he spent his light. He listened to the birds, as always. He watched them now, too, like he almost never did when he was a boy. Watching the morning tweeties, he put a whole mess of other things to the sound he'd been used to in this past century. It was dust he smelled when he heard them flapping by the corner. <laughs> he couldn't get enough of the way a worm's rings glistened in the sun, the way they twisted in their beaks. And damn, how the water sparkled 
how, how it exploded when one of them slate gray ones with the sharp bill swooped out of the heights and hit the water, smack, like that, and then grabbed air, angling back up the bluff. Ken felt the old sun crawl above the trees, saw sunlight chase the shadows around and under them, or into the house basements under the way, Yick, shadows, scram, dark, dive, bird, he called out. Wiggle worm, he said. Moving wasn't like being a little ship, not anymore, but he got there eventually. The sawmill chugged. A head of steam blew its wet top at the morning. He smelled hot leather belts that slapped the wheels breathed flying sawdust, and tasted the char on the kiln-dried logs as the man-high blades screamed through them. At shift change, the overnight workers trudged into daylight, yellow-dusted and squinting. Gluk off! They shouted to the day men coming to work, scrubbed, red, and white awake. At the gate, they traded shadows with the night men, who dragged them along the trails of snooze to their beds and wives, or down the street for breakfast beers at the Dancing Queen. Look off! Ken cried to the world. The Valley Steam, po- uh, the Valley Steam Passenger and Freight Line locomotive chugged along the banks of the rolling river. It coughed, a husky greeting to its brother whistling at the meal. Woo-whoop! Old Ken called to both. So long, he called to Madam Adam and Mr. Bedlam, sitting prim and straight and staring straight ahead at one another. So long, my darling dear, he called to Madam and waved to her from tiptoes. He also waved to the ambidextrian, tied and rocking in his seat. So long, he called to the mummy king, leaning from the windows in the salon car, waving trailing linen ribbons in the wind. Behind them, the menagerie and the critter show gondolas. Woo-whoop! He called to the car of bright glass cages and its chaos of serpent, its scaled and feathered beasties, hairy behemoths, and all the terrors of the world. The critters writhed and uncurled, flapped leathern wings, and gaped toothed mouths at him as Bluffton passed. So long and see all soon, he yelled. Ken rounded the corner at Commonwealth, thinking, White House breakfast, thinking, Mrs. Tim, thinking, steaming grits and sizzling eggs, the brewing pot of pretty good coffee, always ready by damn. This morning, Ken was thinking, a slab of pie. Pie was his want of this damn morning, pie and coffee, damn. Ken took the first three of the last 52 paces toward Mrs. Tim's restaurant. But at the edge of town, there was nothing. No place. What the hell? He looked, blinked, he rubbed his eyes. Where there had been the restaurant, there it wasn't. There had been, he remembered, the little, sque- the little Swede had scrabbled like a spider, building that whole long summer before his blindness came. No, there was no word for it. There was nothing. There was the street, the apothecary, the ironmongers. Then, where the, where the diner ought, was nothing. No place. No restaurant, no Mrs. Tim's. The long trains whistled, sighed, and disappeared, car by car, into the no place. Oh, he could see it not being there all right. Light was creeping. Uh, Main Street was like a ripple in the rolling river. A spring zephyr stirred. Some dust lifted and wove gold into the air. But where breakfast had been almost forever, now, was nowhere. A nothing that went on forever. 
The old rattler caught a whiff of something, old, older than the town, older than him for cry I. Damn confusing morning, he thought. There ain't been a morning like this since. Hell, there ain't, there hadn't been a morning like this since never. Ken spun in the dust. He, he, he looked up and down the street. That too, the, the long stretch of the main street ended in the same sort of nothing. Uh, where the field had been, the carnival, the fair bluffs, rising up at the end of the main stem, that same empty that had eaten the White House. Well, okay, said Ken. Okay. This is better. A fella can only take just so much wonderful. Uh, Thanks, he said to the nearing nothing. Least I can see you coming, cripes. That smell. What the hell? What the hell that smell was? To top it off from across the river, up the bluff that still remained, there was a sound. A a sound that was almost light. Wait. Wait. I know what you are. For a moment, he he went dizzy, thinking it would vanish, that the bright sound would vanish before he pegged it. It was light and youth and green shoots up the burn in his pumping legs, and everything there was is what it was. It's here and now gone. No, it wasn't. A few seconds, he heard it again, the rattle of snake. The up-spine shatter of a big one. A big old one off the bluffs. In pretty quick time, the one was answered. One, two, then another, then a fifth. From up the still-shaded bluffs from the sun side of the river, the snakes called, and a guy held. A guy just had to answer that. Old Ken sucked in the morning, breathed in the sun and dust and the smell of the cave and dirt and the high old green acid scent of snake, morning, life, death, and love. Damn! Here I am! Still here! Thank you. Thank you for joining us again for another week here at Tales to Terrify. Come join us again next week for our third and final installment of the readings from Lawrence Santaro's memorial by his friends. Take care of yourselves and each other, and pleasant dreams. Mm. Tales to Terrify is looking for an editor. And I thought that I would let the listeners know, what does an editor for Tales to Terrify do? The primary duties are, one, evaluate stories submitted to the podcast's Gmail account for quality. Two, pair accepted stories with appropriate narrators. And three, maintain the show's Google Doc spreadsheet with status of stories. Just for the sake of clarity, this podcast is a labor of love, and no one gets paid, including the editor. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. For myself, the role took up about one afternoon a week. If you have interest in helping out the podcast or further questions about the specifics, please send me an email at tales to terrify at gmail.com.